0: Amen, isn't that so true? He is our living hope. Oh man, I love that song too. Oh, you dropped something Scott. (laughs) All right, well, how is everyone doing this morning? I've already asked once, but I'll ask again. (laughs) Great, that is awesome. deal. Oops. Yep, so Pastor Philip is out of town this week, uh, or actually he's kind of on his vacation for this week, so he's not preaching today, obviously, I'm up here. Um, but he deserves a little bit of a break. Uh, he has done an awesome job navigating this ship during these crazy waters, uh, and we have all worked hard here at the church, but it has been a different type of hard work for him. Being the, the leader and the pastor. So, this is, it's good for him to take a break, give it up for a week, and just let God recharge him a little bit. He needs that. Everyone needs that from time to time. So, I have the steering wheel today. Uh oh. <laughs> Might be scary. Yeah, Jesus, take the wheel, please. That is, that is right. Uh, so, y'all enjoying 2020 so far? Yes, it's been a wonderful year, hasn't it? There's been some crazy things that have happened. I don't know what that was. There's some crazy things. Let me move that back just a little bit. I'm blowing into the mic a little too much. Crazy things, there we go, that have happened this year. Uh, You all know uh, it's just been insane. But, you know, when I look on Facebook, I love to watch, look at the different memes that pop up on Facebook and say different things. I I stole some today. We're going to look at a few of those that describe pretty accurately the year 2020. So let's go ahead and look. we're going to look at these. All right, congratulations. You made it to July 2020. Welcome to level 7 of Jumanji. (laughs) Very true. Next one. When someone asks me how 2020 is going so far, I'm like, "Mm -hmm. Good. Have sunk just a little bit. All right, next one. If 2020 had a slide. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. And the next one, I love this. If 2020 was a slide. (laughs) Ouch. Yes, that would hurt. Very much so. All right. Yes, that's great. Great. Very, very good, Scott. (laughs) Okay, next slide. How I feel about 2020 so far. The Restart. Can we just restart, please? Just start it over. All right, next one. Teenagers in the future trying to learn everything that happened in 2020 for their history final. All right, so the, the, when did the bees, the murder hornets come in? That was at this, and then, yeah, that'd be very difficult. So far, 2020 is like looking both ways before crossing the street. And then getting hit by an airplane. Didn't see it coming, did you? Because you were, yep. All right, next one. Commemorative jewelry to always remember 2020. (laughs) Now, I would say this. I think it would be worth more if it was made out of actual toilet paper. (laughs) For sure. When you can't find a mask but still have to work during the coronavirus, you do whatever you can. (laughs) Right? All right, next one. Did we skip the murder hornets? Because I feel like we skipped the murder hornets. Do y'all remember hearing anything about that? Or uh, that didn't really happen. I saw some big old Japanese hornets. I don't know if they were murder hornets. And I think that's the last one. Yes. You know, we entered into 2020, December 31st. We entered in, you know, telling all our Barbara Walter jokes. This is Barbara Walter. I am Barbara Walter. This is 2020. And we were talking about our vision. You know, having 2020 vision for the future. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw this coming. But we were very excited about that, about entering into this year. But now we're here in 2020, July of 2020, and it has just been a ride. It's been a roller coaster. It has been insane. And I would be lying to you if I told you that I have not thought that Christ would be returning very soon. You look around and you see everything that is happening. And you look in Revelation, you look in Scripture, and you're like, man, there's some crazy parallels going on. And you see all these things happen. You see the unrest of the people. You see the lack of peace in people's lives. You see all of these things happen. And you just think, he must be coming back soon. He must be coming back soon. And maybe you think this Lord, if you're not coming back soon, please come back soon. Because we just want to not be in this craziness. Um, I remember back when I was in the youth group, I was probably seventh or eighth grade. Um, There seemed to be a little bit of a trend going on with different teaching that I was hearing in youth group or different conferences that we went to. uh, Things that I heard on the radio, maybe it was different preachers or different things. It, It just, they were talking about the return of Christ And so much so that I was getting into my mindset that this was going to happen soon. Like Christ was coming back. It was going to be happening soon. The things they were saying, the things that were here, the things you were looking out into the world, Christ must be coming back soon. But then 15 years later, he still hasn't come back yet. You know, we're not up in heaven praising him because he hasn't come back yet. And I began to, to wonder, you know, I really thought he was going to be coming back because of everything that I was thinking right here. But it hasn't happened yet. And it kind of makes your mind wonder, like, what's, what's going on? Well, we're going to be uh, in 2 Peter today. You can go ahead and turn into 2 Peter. And the early church during this time, they were going through a similar, uh, a similar thinking. They, they, they knew that Christ was going to come. They knew he was coming back. And they expected that he was going to be coming back in their lifetime. And they began to look around and they saw brothers and sisters in Christ passing away, family members passing away. These different people who were not getting able to enjoy, you know, Christ coming and redeeming and rapturing the church and bringing them back. And they began to wonder, what's going on? You know, he said he was coming back. He promised us. He said he was coming back. But why isn't he here yet? Now, what happened during this time is that false teachers and scoffers, they found their way into their cracks of thinking. And they said, oh, you know, they're doubting that Christ is coming back. This isn't going to happen. And there began began to be false teachings in the church from different false teachers coming up and saying, you know, maybe he's really not. Maybe he's really not going to come back. Well, Peter, (laughs) Peter, in the book that we're about to read, he lays down some things. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at that. Um, We're going to be in chapter 3. But chapter 2, it really has some interesting things. The book of 2 Peter is really about, it's a warning against false teachers. It's a warning and saying, look, these guys are coming into the church, and they're saying these things, and they're speaking lies to you. You need to know who these people are. You need to watch out for them. I want to warn you against these people. And in chapter 2, we're not going to be in chapter 2, but he begins to characterize and then denounce these false teachers. And if we just skim through a little bit of this, you can pick out almost anywhere where there's some sort of characterization of who these people are or some sort of denouncement that these people are bad news. Don't listen to them. He says in verse, uh, let's see, we'll look at verse 10, the last part of verse 10 in chapter 2. He's talking about the false teachers here. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. He says that they are blaspheming the the glorious ones. Look in verse 17. These are waterless springs and mist driven by the storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Those are heavy words. Heavy words from Peter here. And basically what he's saying is don't listen to these guys. They are bad news. They are trying to steer you in the wrong direction. They're trying to distract you from the truth. So let's start reading in verse, for, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. That's where our message is going to be from today. He says this. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring, you up, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles knowing this first of all that scoffers will come in these last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires scoffers will come that's his warning there it's going to happen yet you know, first off in the last days yet you know, we are in the last days no doubt about it we are living in the last days but did you know this the last days actually began when Christ ascended into heaven. You know, he died on the cross, he rose again, he spent around 40 days with his with his followers, and then he ascended into heaven. And that began the last days. Now we're in the last last days. <laughs> and the return of Christ could, could be very, very, very soon. But we've been in the last days for a long time for a long time. But Peter says here, scoffers will come. And in fact, they have come. Today, you look around. But something really interesting is one thing that Peter says here, he says that I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I'm stirring up your sincere, sincere mind. This word sincere mind, in the Greek, we have a, a slide for you. There it is. Oh, you gave it away. <laughs> it, it says this. It, um, ele can you say that? Elycrené. dianoion. Can you say that? Dianoion. All right. What that means, the first word, Elycrené, it could be translated as sincere, as the ESV translates it, but it also could mean wholesome, um, found pure when examined by the sun's light. Okay, that's interesting. The second word there, dianoion. It could be translated as mind, as it is in the ESV, or it could be translated as thinking or understanding. So wholesome thinking. This word here, this Greek word specifically, elekrone, all right, it actually comes from, it's, it's a term that potters would use uh, when they had this certain method. And what they would do, they would take a pot, they would hold it up to the sunlight, and they would they would look at it to see if there were any cracks or if light was coming in, if there were any weak spots in this pot. Elecrine. It basically means sun-judged. The pot was sun-judged. All right. Now it's interesting that Peter uses that word, that word, that term, here for your wholesome thinking. Our thinking as Christians needs to be sun-judged, to make sure there's no, there's, there's no cracks in our minds. There's no cracks in our logic. There's no cracks in, in our thinking. It needs to be sun-judged. And I have this here. Um, this is just a quote. It says, The thinkings and intentions of God's people must be able to stand up under scrutiny and not be led astray by immoral desires. Our, our thoughts need to be sun-judged. And that's what Peter is saying right here, is that it's very important that we have wholesome thinking. That our thinking can stand up to scrutiny. Now let's look at this. In verse 4, he says this. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? And he's talking about the false teachers here, the scoffers. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all these things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately, deliberately overlooked this fact. Do you know Peter was a fact checker? They deliberately overlooked this fact. And he says this, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Wow, that's a lot of like apocalyptic things going on there, isn't it? A lot of crazy things. What he's saying there is that the false teachers were coming in and saying, look, there is not going to be any judgment. There is not going to be any second coming of Christ. And their argument for that is they're going all the way back to creation. They're saying, have you seen, go back to creation, everything has happened day in and day out. It is the same seasons come seasons go crazy things happen and then there's peace nothing is new under the sun is what these what these false teachers are saying but peter puts his foot down and he says wait you've overlooked deliberately this one fact that at one time this world was judged you remember noah remember what happened with noah god told noah to build what an ark a big old boat Because there was going to be rain and there was going to be floods. And God was going to destroy the then known earth. He was going to destroy mankind out of judgment. But Noah was a righteous man. And God said, you know what? I'm going to have favor on you. And I'm going to allow you to survive. And through Noah, the human race is going to be preserved. It's going to continue through this flood. It's going to pass through this judgment. You know, there's some cool things here, some parallels between Noah and Jesus Christ. Noah was a righteous man. Jesus was a righteous man. Jesus was God. Noah was just a man. But God still looked at Noah as being righteous because of his faith that he had in God, his obedience to God. With Noah, Noah was going to save mankind by mankind getting on the boat with him. And passing through the waters. Now it was not everyone, because not everyone believed, but his family got on the boat with him. There were scoffers, there were people saying, There's not gonna be rain, that's not gonna happen, there's not gonna be any kind of judgment. What are you talking about, Noah? But they got on the ark, on the ark with Noah. His his family got on the ark with Noah and they passed through the judgment. Jesus Christ is saving mankind as well. Everyone who looks to him and has faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be saved from the day of of eternal judgment and fire. So there's a lot of cool parallels going on here. But Peter is saying that, look, you can't say by this argument there's been no judgment before, therefore there will be no judgment in the future, because we can look back and we know there was judgment. God did judge this, this earth, and he is going to judge it again in the future When Christ comes back. But we need to make sure we have wholesome thinking. And that these scoffers and these false teachers who are coming in. That they do not distract us from the truth. We'll see that next slide, Thomas. Scoffers will come, but don't let them distract you from the truth. Scoffers will come and they have come and they are out there. False teachers, scoffers, they are all over the place. You know what's interesting? It's that a false teacher does not necessarily have to be a heretical pastor leading his church astray away from the Bible. Especially in our day, false teachers can be ideologies and arguments that people use to try to distract us, Christians, from knowing what is true. And it's important that we don't let these arguments or these ideologies or these things Take us away and get our focus off of God's word because that is happening today. There are many people who they decide to listen to the false teachers. They decide to listen to the arguments of the world or the ideologies of the world, and they turn their back on God's word. They turn their back on their faith, and they walk away. And Peter's saying, don't let that happen. Don't let them distract you. There might be arguments over here that they— If you just look at it, it might seem like it's real, and these arguments are trying to uh, disprove the Bible, and it might seem like it's, but they're missing stuff. And if they were to read God's Word and understand it and use their wholesome thinking, they would realize that, wow, no, God's Word is true. God's Word is right, and we need to listen to it. We need to follow it. Scoffers will come. Don't let them distract you from the truth. Let's look at these next few verses. In verse 8, I love this, Peter says, but do not overlook this one fact. See, Peter's a fact checker. Don't overlook this one fact. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. But that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Now, I want to look at the last part of these few verses first. He talks about how Christ will come like a thief. All right, you've heard that before like a thief in the night. What is. When does a thief usually strike his victim? At night? When they least expect it? The thief usually is smart, and he doesn't come during the broad daylight. He doesn't come when, you know, you're sitting on your front porch, and you got your shotgun, and you're ready for him. He comes when you're not ready. And I think it's interesting that... (laughs) That Peter is using this analogy and calling Christ a thief. Not he's calling Christ a thief. But in a way, Jesus is going to come back and steal us out of this world. He's going to steal us out of the hands of Satan and redeem us and bring us back uh, to him. But Did we lose? Oh, there we go. Cool. Um, but a thief comes when you least expect it. You know, we look around, and I would say I almost... Or I probably do expect that he would be coming back very soon. Because you look around, you, there's signs that are just, it, it really matches up with a lot of things you read in Revelation. Things that you read in other prophetic teachings in the Bible. And you look around you're like, wow, he, we really could be towards the end. This really could be it. Christ really could be coming back. But I'm, I'm also expecting it. So maybe if we were to quit expecting it, he'd come quicker. Right? So maybe we just need to say, oh, I don't expect it. It's not even going to come. And then later on today, he'll redeem us and get us out of here. I'm not sure it works that way. But he's going to come when we least expect it. Now let's look at these first few verses again. Because this is the reason why Christ hasn't come back yet. This is the reason why that God has not come back and, and judged this world it is because of this. We'll just read it again. Verse 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God doesn't have time. His time is different than ours. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach Repentance. The reason he hasn't come back yet is because he's patient. He is patient with us. See, if he were to come back, especially if he came back back when the early church was expecting him to come back, there wouldn't have been hardly anyone in this world to know the gospel. He is patient towards us. You know, we think about um, patience, and a lot of times I think about parents with their kids all right now I'm a new dad have a little 10 month old daughter and Heather and I are thinking through different parenting strategies and how we're going to enact discipline and punishment and these types of things because you know what Amelia might be 10 months old but she's forming a little attitude <laughs> and we're thinking how are we going to correct this in the future she's not quite at the place where she fully comprehends discipline, but she's getting there, and we're trying to figure that out, and one of the methods that a lot of parents use, maybe you as parents have used it, or maybe uh, your parents have used it on you, is the counting method. I think it's so funny, because actually, my parents are here in the audience today, and I know they have done that to me, and the way it goes is this, Yeah, little Johnny's over here, and he's doing something bad and wrong, the parent looks at him, and he says, you have till I count to three to get your rear over here or you're going to get a spanking or you're going to go to time, or whatever the discipline might be. And he goes, one, two, two and a quarter, two and a half, three, and then discipline is done. You know, I think a lot of parents don't enjoy punishing their kids now all the teens in the room are like yes they do (laughs) but deep down parents don't enjoy punishing their kids they want their kids to do what's right and there's a lot of patience that you have to have as a parent that I'm just now starting to learn with even just a 10-month-old baby there's a lot of patience that you have to have because you don't want to just constantly punish them you don't want you want them to do what's right You want them to obey you, and it's something inside you that it hurts when you punish them. I know you've probably all heard this before. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Wham! (laughs) And all the kids are like, how is that going to hurt you more? (laughs) But it does because it's something deeper inside. You know, God is that way with us. He does not want to punish this world. He does not want to enact his final judgment on this world because he knows That that judgment is more than just some sort of correctional thing. That judgment ultimately ends up in complete destruction. And for those who don't know, Christ ends up with them in hell for eternity. God doesn't want that. He is patient towards us. He wants the world to come to, to repent. He desires no one to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants the world to turn back to him. That is why he has waited so long to send his son, Jesus Christ, to come back and redeem the church and begin that process of judgments. That is why. It's because he loves us. It's because he has an enormous amount of love and grace and mercy towards us. He really does. He really does. Um, you know, if if Christ had come back just a few years after He ascended, you know, I think the early church they were really expecting that. They were like, you know what? You said you're coming back, and we're just gonna sit here waiting for you. They were really expecting Him to come back because He promised to them that He would. Now His promise. May not have been specifically to that group. Obviously, it wasn't because he hasn't come back yet. But if he had come back just a few years, 10 years, 15 years after he had ascended, you know, most of this world would have never had the chance of hearing the gospel. Because there was only a handful of followers in Jerusalem that truly followed Jesus Christ during that time. And if Christ had come back and judgment on this world had began. The whole world would have not had the chance. But did you know this? Because God has had patience, because God has waited, that almost the whole world has at least heard the gospel. Every nation, tribe, and tongue has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And there has been many of lives changed for eternity's sake. Many. God is patient. He wants, he doesn't want to enact his judgment on this world. And, and God is sovereign. And he has a plan. And he knows what that all is supposed to look like. But I could I could see how God would be up in heaven. Hesitating. On pushing that button for judgment. I could see him hesitating. And I know that that hesitation is because. Of his enormous amount of love and mercy towards us. Because he wants us to repent. He wants us to change. He wants us to look to him and be saved. That is why he hasn't come back quite yet. But let's look at verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You know, something that I think is really cool about this is this question, what kind of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And he doesn't really describe that there. He just asked the question, what kind of people ought you to be? You know, it's cool because I really don't have to preach this part because, Pastor Philip is actually in a series right now where he's talking about that. And he has, for the past few Sundays and a few Sundays coming up, he's going to be talking about what it means to put on Christ. To put on the new humanity. To live in holiness. Are you doing that? Are you living lives of holiness and godliness as you wait for the return of Christ? You know, and I think so often we as Christians, we, this is the way we oftentimes look at, at, at trying to be holy and pursuing holiness. We think, okay, sin can't do that. If I do this, this is sin. If I do this, this is sin. We're trying to avoid temptation and avoid sins and avoid these different things. But really, holiness should look this way. How can I give God glory? How can I glorify God with my life? And everything that I do, how can I give him glory? Do you see the difference there? If we look at holiness in the way that we're just trying to avoid sin all the time, and we, we should be, we, we should try to avoid sin. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. But if that's our main focus, our main perspective, what type of life is that? Li- are you living? You, you, you've just created a list of do's and don'ts. You've created this box that you have to live in. In order to be holy, you must conform to this way and I can't watch this movie, or I can't do that, or I can't say this, or I can't listen to this kind of music. And Maybe that's true. Maybe you shouldn't, because these things might be sin, and we should avoid sin. But what if we looked at it this way and said, if I could just give glory to God in everything that I do, if my heart is focused on Him, if the music I listen to praises Him and gives glory back to Him, if the movies I watch... Uh, give glory back to him. If the things that I do, the life that I live in service to him gives glory back to him, do you think it would be a a difference in how you live? I think it would be. I think it definitely would be. I have this thing. uh, I think we're going to go to this next slide. See, living, living a life trying not to sin is begrudging. But living a life in hope of his return brings life. And you could even say it this way. Living a life glorifying God brings life. Because if we are glorifying God in everything that we do, we're not going to sin because sin doesn't bring God glory. Does that make sense? But when we bring God glory and we glorify him with our life, we are, we are blessed. And it's not about the life that I can't live. It's about the life that I can live. In light of who he is. So as we wait for Christ's return, it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. Who knows? But as we wait, are you living a life glorifying to God? Are you living a life in holiness and godliness glorifying who God is as you wait? So here's the thing. He is worth waiting for. He is worth waiting for. Heaven is worth waiting for. A perfect relationship with God is worth waiting for. Some of you guys know um, Jessica Tilley here at this church, and I would say actually most of you know Jessica Tilley at this church. Um, I saw something that she posted on Facebook the other day. I just thought was awesome, and I had to add it to this to this sermon. Um, her son, Wyatt, he just turned four, I say, just a, a month ago. Uh, back in the middle of June was his birthday. And they had a birthday gift that they got him. They were so excited about it. They could not wait for him to get this birthday gift because this one of these gifts. It's like, I mean, he's four, he is all boy, and it's, yeah, this is one of those gifts. You know it was going to make him happy. And as parents, you're just like ready for this gift. And he knew he was going to be getting some sort of gift. And um, But here's the thing is because of all the shipping and everything that's been, that's been um, going on here lately, it, w- it was late. <laughs> the gift was late. And in fact, it was really, really late. It was like a month late. And he had to wait for this gift. Now, get this. Here's, here's her, her uh, status. Wyatt's birthday was June 15th, and his birthday gift finally came today. But it has to charge for 18 hours. This was this past week is when she posted this. So it is a month that they had to wait for this birthday gift. Just imagine, being a four-year-old boy, you finally get your gift and you're ready to, to, you're ready to use it, and it's got to charge for like a whole day. Oh, my goodness. But guess what? She posted this. I love this. Look what it says. "Now this is a birthday present worth waiting for. It's a little four-wheeler. Um, I don't have the video. It's just a snapshot of the video, but the video—he's just—he's riding his little four-wheeler. He's loving it. He's enjoying it. This gift was worth waiting for. You know what? When well, one day we stand before Christ, it's going to be worth the wait. And who knows? He may come back today. It may be years from now. It may never be in our lifetime. My question to you guys, one, is he worth waiting for? And if he is, will you remain faithful? See, the early church began to doubt because Christ wasn't coming back. You know, see, we're, we're in this place. We could expect him to come back any time now because the world is just a crazy mess right now. But what if, what if he doesn't? What if everything goes back to normal and peace resumes? And life as normal happens. Will you still trust that he is coming back to get you? Will you still trust that his promises are true? That his word is true? So if you do, as you wait, will you wait in holiness and godliness? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for all that you do, God. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your promises. Lord, I pray that your promises would just be true uh, in us, that we would see them as true. God, I pray that, um, that we just stay focused on you. God, this, this world, it wants to distract us from truth. It wants us to sh- distract us from your word and believing what is true. But God, I pray that we would stay focused on you and that we would love you and that we would live a life that is glorifying to you. In Jesus' name I pray. So as we stand Um, just take some time to make sure that you are doing that, that you are focused on Christ, that you are giving God glory with your life. So let's stand and we will worship.